Well, happy Mother's Day. I see a lot of uh, kids here honoring their mother, and so we're glad to have you this morning. Um, and just want to say thank you to all the mothers out there, to mothers. Uh, you know, it is a day to honor you. Um, as we're going to find out, uh, it is a motherhood is ordained by God. Um, and so it is something for us to celebrate. So let's, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will, we will dive into our message this morning. God, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to gather together as the church, uh, to open your word, to look at it, Lord, to, to honor, God, what uh, you have designed, Lord. Um, and Lord, we thank you for mothers, and we thank you for all that they do. And we thank you for your design of the family, God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day. And uh, the earliest evidence of Mother's Day dates back to the medieval world in Europe. Uh, the fourth Sunday in Lent became known as Mothering Sunday. And this was an opportunity for those uh, people who had, who had moved away for Christians to return to their, to their mother church. To the church that they were baptized in, they were raised in, they were educated in. And during this day, members would attend their mother church. They would give thanks for their upbringing. And, and as a, a time of, of coming back home, it was also an opportunity not only to attend church, but it was an opportunity to reunite with your family, an opportunity to celebrate family. And specifically, it became this opportunity to celebrate mothers. Now, that was back in, in medieval Europe. Now, fast forward several centuries, you know, fly across the pond, or maybe you travel across the pond in a boat, and you end up here in the United States. And we discover that Mother's Day in the United States was founded by a woman named Anna Jarvis. And she wanted to honor her mother, but not just her mother. She wanted to honor all of the mothers and the work that, that mothers do. And her grassroots movement, it picked up steam over about the course of a decade. And in 1914, by a joint resolution from Congress and the approval of President Woodrow Wilson, the second Sunday in May officially became known as Mother's Day. Its popularity really picked up during the two world wars when soldiers fortunate enough to make it home found Mother's Day and an opportunity for them to celebrate the comforts of home, to celebrate their own mothers. And so today is the second Sunday in May. Today is Mother's Day and we want to take this opportunity to celebrate the work that mothers do in our lives and the community as well as to thank God for his gift of mothers. Now, before we go any further, let me just say that, that I know that some women are not able to be mothers right now. Maybe you're single. Uh, maybe there, there's just something that, that is going on. You're not able to have kids. And I want you to know that doesn't mean that you're broken. That doesn't mean that you're any less of a woman. It just means that God's plan and his way that he is going to use you is different. And the plan he will bring about. He, and, and he's going to bring that plan about in such a way that he is going to gain glory from that. And so if you fall into that category, today should not be a day of grief. It should be a day of celebration, a day to celebrate your own mother, a day to celebrate those around you in the community who have acted like mothers for you, a day to celebrate God's good design for the family. And I believe that's even more important in the culture in which we live today. When we think about a mother's work, we can easily forget that that is uh, difficult work. 
It is a very difficult work. William Bush, uh, if we take some liberties with this poet's words, he says, To become a mother is not so difficult. On the other hand, being a mother is very much so. And so for all the stumbling blocks and pitfalls and broken dreams, for all the soiled diapers and spoiled plans, motherhood is a natural part of God's creative plan, which means that a mother's task is ordained by God. And God's ordination of a mother's task begins way back in the Garden of Eden. And so that's where we want to go here, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to spend some time there. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If you have your phone, your tablet, whatever you have, right? We believe that God's Word is important. We believe that God's Word should be central in our worship services because it is God speaking to us, right? My opinion doesn't matter. What matters is what God says. And so that's where we're going to be this morning in Genesis chapter 2. And when you turn to Genesis chapter 2 there in verse 5, God says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had, caused, had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And so here we are, right? creation. Then if we skip down to verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. In Genesis 2, we're confronted with the creation account. We're told that way back in the beginning, before the bushes and the field and small plants sprung up, man had not been created yet, but we're told that that God formed man. He didn't come through the process of evolution. He didn't spontaneously appear. You know, aliens didn't come and drop Adam off on earth. God formed man. This is what the Bible tells us. And after forming man, God purposely took man and he placed him in this garden, the Garden of Eden, a garden that he had created. And many commentators believe the Garden of Eden represents this idyllic place where heaven and earth meet. And you can think of it as as heaven on earth. In the garden, God and man freely were able to commune with one another. And then in verse 15, we're told the reason God placed Adam in the garden was to work it and to keep it. Yes, I know work can be difficult at times, but work was designed by God. Work was placed here by God. Adam, as he was put in the garden, God created him to work. God created us to work, and God gave him a purpose to work and keep it in the garden. You see, work is purposeful. Work is purposeful because God has given us work. And these verses reveal our purpose is to work and keep God's good creation on his path. In other words, we are to, we are to serve God. We are to cultivate the world in which God has created, and we do that as his representatives. You see, we are made in the image of God, and so we are here as his representatives to work it and to keep it, to, to be creative, to, to make things, to make things in, in our own businesses, to make things in, in the world, to, to bring the world underneath the submission to God to work and keep our own family. And as we do that, we are serving God and we are cultivating the world in which He has placed us. But then in verse 15, we read this. Then the Lord, in verse 18, excuse me, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. 
I will make him a helper fit for him. And so here's man. He's in the garden. God has created him. He's given him this task to work it and to keep it. But God looks and he sees like, man, this is not good that Adam is alone. And so he creates him a helper. He creates and forms Eve. And they become a family unit. And to this family unit, God says back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And what's remarkable is that man wasn't able to work it and keep it by himself, right? He needed a helper. And God not only gives this command to work it and keep it to Adam, but he also gives this command to Eve as well. As Adam's helper, she is to work alongside of him in the garden. She is to serve and cultivate God's good creation just as Adam is doing. You see, women are not second-class citizens. Nor are women created as, as slaves for men. God created women to be a helper to man because man couldn't fulfill God's purpose on his own. There was something lacking, something that only a woman could complete. And while both men and women were created to work, we also learned that we were created to work in different ways. God created man and God created women. Each of them have their God-given tasks. And one of the tasks that God gave women that he didn't give to men was to be a mother. In Titus, if you go over to Titus, beginning in verse 3, we read this. Titus chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. There are a lot of hot-button topics in that scripture, right? We're not going to cover all of them. Uh, we've talked about some of them in the past. We'll talk about some of them in the future. Today is not the day to cover all of these hot-button topics here, but what I want you to see is that a woman's task is given by God, and a part of a woman's task is to be a mother to her children. This is the role that God has given exclusively to women, and women are the only ones who can fulfill that role. And so the point that, I, that I'm driving at here is that a mother's work is important because God has ordained that work. Yeah. Oftentimes, mothers aren't given the credit that they're due. They, they're taken for granted. They're not appreciated. The, they're, they work and tirelessly labor on behalf of the family, and, and oftentimes they don't hear a thank you for that. While a mother's Work can be repetitive, right? There's laundry, there's cleaning, there's cooking, there's homework, there's shopping, there's groceries, there's washing dishes, there's bathing the kids, there's getting them to bed, and then repeat every single day over and over and over again. While mother's work can seem monotonous and repetitive, it is important work. Not only because a mother is working and, and keeping her family, as God has, has given us that task, but also because God has ordained the work of a mother. A task that has been ordained by God is a task that is worth doing. It's a task worth keeping. It's a task that you should find joy and delight and meaning and purpose in doing. God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, God knows what he is doing. And he has given this task to mothers. And just because you're not doctoring or lawyering or engineering or 
teaching or entrepreneuring doesn't mean that you are not important, doesn't mean that your work is not significant. You are raising the next generation. You are accomplishing the work that God has ordained for you. There is purpose and meaning in the work that God has given you, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes, even if it doesn't feel like you're making progress sometimes, even if it makes you feel like you're a failure at times. There is purpose and meaning in the work that God has given mothers to do. Now, hearing that, you might be a little bit skeptical, right? I mean, it's Mother's Day. Uh, he, you know, preacher preaches a sermon for mothers on Mother's Day. He's supposed to say all of these things, right? Well, well, that's not true. I'm not just saying these things because it's Mother's Day. I'm saying them because they are true, because God's Word tells us that they are true. But for the skeptical mother out there, let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's answer this, this second question here. How do we know that being a mother is important work? How do we know that being a mother is important work? We should know it's important because God has ordained it, but maybe you're skeptical. How do we know? What are some other reasons that we can look at? I'm going to give you five. Certainly there should be more, but let me just give you five. First, we know that a mother's work is important because mothers are given by God and even to God. We've already talked about the idea that, that God has given us mothers, and because God has given that role, it is important work. But have you ever thought, that God himself has a mother. Now, before you brand me as a heretic and before you tune out, let me explain what I mean by this, right? We know that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. He is God the Son. We know that Jesus has existed from eternity's past. We know that Jesus was not born in that form from a mother, right? We learn this in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. But we also know that God the Son became a man, and His name is Jesus. He is God incarnate. He, he came to provide us with salvation. God Himself comes to earth, and He lives as a man so that we might experience salvation as he sacrifices himself for us. God is incarnate. We see this in John 1.14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And while all that is true about Jesus in this, this mind-bending way that we don't have time to really go into, we also know that Jesus didn't just appear on earth as a 30-year-old man right at the beginning of his ministry, right? And just boom, poof, I'm here. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. Jesus came just like you and I come. Jesus was born of a woman. Jesus was raised in a family. You can read about the birth narrative in Matthew and, and Luke. And while Jesus was born in a place that no child should be born in, right? He's born in a stable. He's placed in a feeding trough. He was born nonetheless. Mary was his mother. And so if, if we let that sink in for a minute, the eternal, the omniscient, the omnipotent, all sovereign king of the universe became a man and he became a man just like you and I. He was born of a woman. And he was also raised just like you and I by a mother and by a father. I would imagine Mary did some of the same things that mothers do today. She changed his diapers, she fed him, she bathed him, she played with him, she read to him. Notice I didn't say she corrected him because he's perfect, kind of a little bit different. 
but she did the same thing that mothers did today. She might have had it a little bit easier because there wasn't a lot of discipline that probably had to take place to Jesus, but she was a mother to him, just like mothers are mothers today. Mothers are important not only because God has ordained that role, but because God himself, in the form of him being God incarnate, had a mother as well. Another reason we know that mother's work is important is because mothers are God's means to teach children. At the beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon, he writes to his son, and Solomon has given his son all of this wisdom. And Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction... And do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. And so Solomon tells his son that if he wants true knowledge, then he must fear the Lord. In other words, he must submit himself to God. He must, he must have a certain reverence and awe for God, recognizing that God is greater and wiser than he, as well as he must recognize that God alone is the one who is worthy of our worship, right? If you want to have knowledge, that is true for you as well. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in yourself. You're going to find it in the Lord. And so you must submit yourself to the Lord. You must have a, a healthy fear and reverence and, and awe of God so that you will turn to Him, and, and we primarily find you know, from His Word what it is that God wants us to know and how God wants us to live. And so Solomon is, is setting this up for his son. But that's not all he says, is it? He says if he wants to gain wisdom and knowledge, Solomon must also follow and apply his father's instruction but he must also follow and apply, apply his mother's teaching. You see, fathers are not the only ones who are capable of teaching their children, nor does, nor does God have it that way, where it's just the father who is doing the teaching. No, mothers are capable, and mothers do provide the teaching. A lot of times they are the first and most important teachers. Commenting on this verse, John Piper says this, God ordained the family not just to be fruitful and fill the earth with people, but to fill the earth with instructed people and taught people. The family is the place where the next generation is born and where the next generation learns how to live. Part of a mother's task is to teach the children how to live in this world. And if you ask me that, that is a, a huge responsibility. That is a, a big responsibility. It is important and timely work, especially given the cultural moment in which we find ourselves. Another reason we know that a mother's work is important is because mothers make a home. One mother, in, in writing about all the hats she wears, she says this. Here's my job description. I'm a wife, mother, friend, confidant, personal advisor, lover, referee, peacemaker, housekeeper, laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, gardener, painter, wallpaper, dog groomer, veterinarian, manicurist, barber, Seamstress, appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, psych psychoanalyst, nurse, diagnostician, public relations expert, dietitian, and nutri nutritionist, baker, chef, fashion coordinator, letter writer for both sides of the family. I'm also a travel agent, a speech therapist, a plumber, an automobile mechanic, and a repair expert. From studies alone, it would cost more than $75,000 to replace the work that I do. 
I know that mothers have huge responsibility. Many mothers have a job description like this because mothers wear a lot of hats, right? They are what make your house go around. And many of us, if, if, you're, if the mother wasn't there, if your wife, if the husband of, of your mother wasn't there, man, the house falls apart. I know that happens when my wife is sick, uh, when, when my wife goes out of town or something like that. Like, man, the house falls apart. If she doesn't prepare the meals, even if I'm going to cook them, man, it's like we're eating cereal or some eggs or something, right? Like, I mean, mothers make the house go round and it would fall apart without them. And so we should be thankful. We should be thankful for mothers. All of the children that are out there should be thankful for mothers. Husbands, you should be thankful that you have a mother to your kids because of all the things that they do to make the home. Mothers make a home. Mothering is an important work. Fourth, we know that a mother's work is important because mothers are called to make disciples too. In the beginning of 2 Timothy, we've got this, this portrait of a mother's witness. Paul, speaking to Timothy, says in 2 Timothy 1.5, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. You see what Paul is saying here? He's contributing Timothy's faith to his grandmother and his mother's witness. They were the ones who told him about Jesus. They were the ones who, who told him about the Scriptures and taught him the Scriptures. And we know that's true not only from these verses, but from later in the book, in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 3, we read this. You, however, continue in the things you have learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And, and who is he talking about? Who is he learned them? Well, he's learned them from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Louise. And then he continues, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. And why does he know them? Well, he knows them because his mother taught them to him, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, Timothy knows the Scriptures. He knows that he needs to repent of his sins. He knows that he needs to believe in Jesus in order to experience salvation. He has experienced growth in his life. Paul is a witness to seeing this growth in his life. And the reason that he has come to faith in Christ, the reason that he's experienced growth, the reason that he knows the Scriptures is because his mother and his grandmother has taught those to him. You see, amidst all of the things that, that mothers do, folding clothes, cleaning the house, feeding the kids, taking them to and from school, mothers have an opportunity to share the gospel with their kids and teach them the scriptures. Amen. One author capitalizes on this idea when she writes, A mother builds something far more magnificent than any cathedral, the dwelling place for an immortal soul. No professional pursuit can so uniquely combines the most menial task with the most meaningful opportunities. Mothers, the opportunity to spend with your children is an immense privilege. The opportunity to, to teach them how to obey Jesus' commands and to make disciples is a great opportunity. It is an opportunity for you to live life on mission. You have two people or three people or, or five or however many kids that you have right in your house where you have the opportunity to teach them the Scriptures. You have the opportunity to teach them about Jesus. You have the opportunity to make disciples. Mothers have an important task. And so let that, let that be seen as, as a task that you have. 
And grandmothers, when, when your grandchildren come over, let that be seen as a task that you have, right? You want to spoil your grandchildren for sure, right? Do that, right? Send them back to the parents after you do that, all sugared up and everything. But don't miss the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Don't miss the opportunity to challenge them a little bit as they get older, right? And challenge them in their faith, to instruct them, to even bring them to church at times, right? Don't miss the opportunity to do that. Mothers and grandmothers, your work with your kids and your grandkids is important. It too is a way for you to be on mission. It too is a way for you to make disciple-making disciples. It too is an important work. And lastly, we know a mother's work is important because a mother's relationship with her child affects their, de their development. Not that we need to know this because we've got God's Word and it tells us that mothers are important, that it's a God-ordained task, but we know from several studies that I read recently that, you know, there are benefits to a mother's relationship with her kids. And here's what one researcher said. If a mother's love is missing, it can lead to depression and anxiety, bullying, poor achievement in school, violence, drug and alcohol addictions and illness. Boys may be on a continual search for love, a search for the mommies that they never experienced emotionally. Teen girls may become pregnant hoping to create someone they can love and who will love them. Another study, one from the University of British Columbia, says this, determined that of 1,215 middle-aged Americans studied, those who grew up in poverty had a greater chance of suffering from type 2 diabetes, heart disease and stroke, than those who grew up in a life of privilege, unless the lower-income group had a loving mother. You see, from these studies, we see mothers' relationship with their children are extremely important. It affects a child not only physically, but it affects a child emotionally. And we see from Scripture that it affects a child spiritually as well. Once again, a mother's work is important. And so mothers, knowing that your work is God-ordained, knowing that your work is important, this should, this should drive you to continue steadfast at the task. You see, when life is difficult, when the kids are rebelling, when the house is a mess, when no one is co cooperating, you're trying to get out the door to, to a sports event, to school, to, you know, some sort of, you know, event where you're going to go and, and see your kids do whatever they do, uh, trying to get out the door to church, maybe even this morning, right? When things are difficult, continue steadfast at the task. When you are bombarded with a host of daily decisions that you have to make and there are no clear-cut answers, right? Do I vaccinate my kids or not? Do I sit on a public school or home school or charter school? Do I continue to breastfeed? Do I blow the budget and buy all organic when I go to the grocery store? Do I force my child to apologize and I know that they're not getting anything out of it and they're just saying it begrudgingly, right? When all of these things are happening, continue steadfast at the task that God has given you. When your hands are full and you don't feel like you can juggle anything else, but something else is added to your plate, continue steadfast at the task. Even when things are growing great, when the kids are not sick, when they are behaving, when things are going well in school, continue steadfast at the task. Mothers, no matter what is going on, continue steadfast at the task, knowing that the work that God has ordained for you and knowing that it is important work. You are God's gift to your kids, to your family. 
And so continue steadfast at the task. Kids, which includes all of us, right? Don't forget that your mom is important. Don't forget to say thanks today. Time's running out, as Ryan said earlier, right? Don't forget to say thanks to your mom today. And don't forget to praise and worship God. He has designed this. He has ordained the family. And He has provided us with mothers to care for us, mothers that we can lean on, mothers that we can go to in times of trouble and difficulty. He has provided that for us. And so today, one of the ways in which you can respond, particularly if you're a believer, is by thanking and praising God for mothers. God has designed the family in such a way that brings Him glory and it provides for our needs. And so let today be a day, yes, to say thank you to your mother, to celebrate them, to take them out to dinner, to give them a card, or whatever it is that you might do for your mother on Mother's Day. But also let it be a day to worship God, to worship God for the family that He has provided, to worship God for designing the family in the way that He has designed it for our benefit. And if you're not a believer, you can respond today also by recognizing that God is the all-sovereign and wise creator who created everything, including you and I. And you can submit yourself to God, turning to him to believe the good news about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for your sin. Maybe the good news that that your mom or your grandma has has begun pressing into you, has begun teaching you as they're seeking to take up their role that God has given to teach their kids the Scriptures. And today may be a day for you to repent of your sins and to turn to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. In a moment, we're going to have a time of response, and this will be an opportunity for us to respond to this message, to praise God, to praise God for the family, to praise God for our mothers, as well as an opportunity for us to turn to the Lord, to turn to Him in saving faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together, this day that we have to celebrate your good design, your good design of the family, to celebrate your good design, Lord, um, and for, for the mothers that you have provided us, God. And let us not forget, even as we are celebrating our mothers, that this is an opportunity to praise and to worship you as well. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.